Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Mission Church, how we doing? Pastor Tyler here. Man, worship was so good. I love it, the full band. Oh, it was special today. I loved it, I loved it, I loved it. If you're brand new, we're in the middle of a series, Tyler, How Great Is Our God? And I don't wanna waste any time. We gotta get into this. It is gonna be a fun one today. We're talking about Noah. We're talking about the flood. We're talking about the ark. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about grace. We're gonna talk about your life and how you're building it. Does that sound good? All right, let's go to the Bible. Genesis 6 says this. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Oof. I wanna find favor with God. You know how we find favor? It's through his grace. Grace is defined as unmerited favor. Jesus on the cross dying for us, being hidden in Christ, that's where we find our favor. Here's what happens when you find favor. God starts to choose you for things, to do things that are bigger than your own life. Let's look at it. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I feel like uh, Noah's like in the South. It sounds like a, somebody who lived in Louisiana. Hey, it's my son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They're all gonna play for the University of Alabama. Uh, that's at least what I picture when I read this part of it. And if you're from Alabama, I'm sorry, but that's just what I picture, okay? Let's keep going. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy them because, uh, because, them, uh, because of them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress, wood, make rooms in it, and coat it and pitch it inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Well, I did some studying. We don't know what cubits are, but here's what it basically is. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet um, high. It's not a very pretty boat. Basically, he built a big old box, basically, is what it looks like. Now, here's what it says. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make it lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath and life in it. Everything on earth will, per- uh, will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. You, are your, uh, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you too. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come uh, to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Stop. Woo, that's a lot of scripture. I hope you got that. If not, rewind, listen again. Here's the deal. I want you to catch something. Uh, in this chapter of Genesis 6, I, I didn't even read all of it, but it talks about that we broke God's heart, that his heart was filled with pain. If I could be honest, the flood bothers me sometimes. I'm sometimes saying, God, could you have done it a different way? Now, the flood bothers me. Well, you read scripture, it bothered God even more. It said it broke his heart. He was filled with pain, anguish, it says, because of what mankind had done. Now, I love what one of my commentaries said. said this, God's wrath is his love and action against sin. If you actually study the word, it says that he destroyed the destruction Okay, they were so far gone, they had chosen destruction that there was no hope for them to be saved anymore that way, so he had to do it this way. I'm not infinite, I am finite. So the whole flood and destruction wrath, I was thinking about going that way. Let's talk about wrath today. Let's talk about the different types of wrath, Old Testament, New Testament. Let's talk about the theology, how God's wrath is consistent with the Old Testament, New Testament. We're not gonna touch that today, but we might touch it in another series because as I studied, man, there's so much to talk about when you talk about Noah. There's so much to say uh, in this story, Noah. I was thinking about talking about Matthew 24 in the New Testament where it shows that Noah uh, it says that Noah would, uh, it would be like in the end times where Noah was building his boat. 
If you read the Bible, you find out Noah's all over the Bible. It's kind of fascinating. And what it says in Matthew 24 and in times, it's saying it'd be like the times of Noah. Really what it's saying in that chapter, and I was thinking about going this way, was it's saying that uh, today, where we live, is basically like the times of Noah. That it is like a 450-foot-long boat in the middle of a desert going, why? it doesn't look like a storm's coming, but if a boat is being built, you better be ready because a storm is coming. We look at today and we look at the end times of today and it's pretty obvious that God's coming is coming soon. Uh, you look at just prophecies in Daniel 12, it says that he would release knowledge. The uh, Hebrew word, daga, it would be rapid increase of releasing knowledge. Just think about it, for 1900 years, people rode horses and then all of a sudden we start making Model Ts and now we got Teslas. The internet was 1983, the iPhone was 2007. I went to junior high, there was no such thing as a, 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 a cell phone yet me using. It's amazing uh, what we've, what, what's happened. Here's why it's happened. God released knowledge. It's one of the prophecies of eschatology in times. So I was thinking about going to Revelation, 1 Thessalonians 4, little Isaiah. I was like, you know what? That'll be for a different day. So where am I going? Here's where I'm going. I want to read you a verse. It's very simple, but it pierced me, and I think it's important for our church today. You ready? 2 Peter 2.5, it says this. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Stop. So what I do as a, a person who's going to study for a message, I go to like old school stuff, concordance. What other verses connect to the verses? I go to the hermeneutics of, of everything. I'm trying to study, okay, what is God trying to say? I try to exegete to make sure I'm crossing the river correctly of, of what God was saying then and what he's trying to say today. And what I, when I read that, it was interesting. I was like, hold on a second. Noah was a preacher of righteousness? Noah didn't preach. I don't see any time in, in Genesis where he's preaching. And I, it hit me. And this is what God is saying right now in, in that verse and in what we're gonna preach about, uh, what I'm gonna preach about today. Catch this. I am convinced that what you're building is what you're preaching. I am convinced that how you're building is how they'll listen to your preaching. The, the, the way that we build our life will be the loudest sermon you ever preach. And what it says about Noah is that he was a builder. He built the ark. He built altars. This is what he did with his life. And he says it was a preacher of righteousness. You gotta ask yourself right now, what are you building? How are you building? Are you even building? Are you ready to um, go on this journey with me today and figure out what we're called to build? I think one reason why some people aren't building or they're building the wrong things is just to know what to build. What I love about Noah is it says that God came to him and no one didn't say, I got an idea, I wanna build something. No, God came with the idea of what to build and gave him all the details on how to build it. And I believe that for today, God did the same thing when he sent Jesus. Jesus called us to build and he showed us how to build our life. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing at Mission Church. I thank you for the gift that it is, your word, and, and what your word represents, Lord, that it is light, Lord, that it is transforming, that it is powerful, Lord. I love the, that your word says that the gospel has power. I love that the good news means good. <laughs> good news. Ooh, that's deep. Lord, we love you. May my words fall to the floor and your words soar. We love you. We love you. And everybody said? Amen. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to look at these three simple points today on what I believe you're called to build. Now, Sometimes we, uh, we want some really epic word like, God, what do you want me to build? One of the greatest ways that you can have God speak to you and actually see really what you're supposed to build is just open your Bible. And I love this. I think it's a John Piper. You want to hear God speak? Read your Bible out loud. And what I love about this uh, verse in Luke 6 is Jesus comes on the scene and shares basically the same thing God does with Noah. Because how great is our God that he gives us all these pictures that always points to Jesus, always points to what we're called to do. And here's what it says in Luke 6. First thing we're called to do is build your life. Build your life. Here we go. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Jesus is just, you know, I love being around people who are straight shooters. I don't like guessing. Something I love about my wife, 
her being Italian or what it is, is she lets me know how she feels. She lets me know, I like this, I don't like that. I don't wanna watch this, I wanna watch that. We're not going there, we're going there. I mean, there is no guessing with my wife. She's Italian, she's a straight shooter, I love it. You know what I love about Jesus? He's a straight shooter. He lets you know exactly what he's thinking. He lets you know what he wants you to do. And here's what he says about this. He says to this crowd, he goes, why do you call me Lord when you don't even do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. There's a lot of ways Jesus could unpack right here. He could do a teaching. He could do a lot of things. But he decides to paint us a picture on actually what a follower of Christ looks like. A follower of Christ looks like a builder. A follower of Christ looks like somebody who understands that they've been given tools and an assignment to build something because storms are coming and they're called to be a testimony to this world. He goes, let me show you what a real follower looks like. Because you call me, Lord, but you don't act like nothing that I would actually say that is my people. You're not building for me. You're not building your life. You're not building the kingdom. You just come to church. You call me, Lord. You want something and you go on your way. Let me show you. So here's what he shows us. It is like a person building a house who digs it deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock. Woo, who digs deep. Every day you gotta dig deep in this word. Oh, every day you gotta dig deep. You gotta find, find, uh, find something where God speaks to you and say, I'm gonna hold on to this today. The word says it's an anchor for us. Something I love that a theologian once said is that you should read till your heart burns, till you really find something. So it says that the person who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds on a, a house right on the ground without foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into heaps of ruins. Stop. You'll see the story in Matthew 7, of course, too. Basically, Jesus is saying, hey, you wanna know uh, what you need to become? You need to become a builder. And the people who build correctly, woof, when the storm comes, not if, but when the storm comes, they're gonna still be standing. I love what C.S. Lewis once said. He said that the best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago. Second best time is today. And I think this pandemic, what it's doing to a lot of us, it's a little bit of a storm. Big storm for some, little storm for other. But it's exposing how much we have been building or how much we haven't been building, if I could put it that way. I, um, I grew up in L.A. Uh, I grew up in Puyallup, moved to L.A., lived there for seven years. And I remember driving past uh, Pasadena, lived in Burbank, so we drive past Pasadena a lot, going the way to Disneyland. And I remember pointing at a bridge, like, oh, that's a pretty bridge. And I remember one time somebody saying, oh, you don't know about the bridge? I was like, what, what? It's, it's, it's a cool looking bridge. No, no, that's actually Suicide Bridge. It's like, that's a terrible name for a bridge. Suicide Bridge, like, yeah, like during the Great Depression, it, got, it was built in 1912, right before it, and basically what happened, the Great Depression came, and a bunch of people jumped off the bridge and killed themselves. And, and I think about what kind of person would have a Great Depression define their life to say, I'm done. And the reality is, is a lot of people are building something else besides the life God called them to live. You build a career your whole life, you build finances, and the Great Depression, which is a storm, comes and sweeps away everything. It says in Matthew 7, the man who listens to God's word and builds it will, uh, will be a wise man, and the storm will come and it will not uh, destroy his life, it will not define his life. But the foolish man builds his life on sand, on, on, basically saying, a foolish man's gonna build his life on finances, on a career, on a hobby, basically anything but God. And then when something really bad happens, it takes away their life where they don't even wanna live anymore. I remember it was kind of a haunting, kind of an uncomfortable feeling, but can I preach real today? Can I preach honest facts about what happens when people walk away from God? They do not find hope, they do not find joy, they do not find restoration. When people build something else besides what God's called them to build, Man, when the storm comes, it's a devastating sight. So how about we build the right thing? 
How about we build what God calls us to build? So I got a couple questions, and uh, let's just look at it real quick. So here's the first question for you on what you're building. When was the last time you spent more time pitching the inside of your life more than the outside? What do, mean, what do I mean by pitch? Let me read you a verse again that I read in Genesis 6. So make yourself an ark of cypress, would make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. Now that pitch was basically uh, like a tar. It was, uh, it was stormproofing the, the ark. It was stormproofing the house. So really what it looks like is, if I could be honest, a lot of us were really good at um, covering the outside of our life. We're really good at putting the pitch on the outside to make it look good. But when, let me ask you this way. When was the last time before you left the house you spent more time preparing the inside of your life instead of the outside of your life? Oof, let's be honest. You take a shower, do your hair, you, you know, you, me, I had to shave, I had to make sure that this looked good, and then after that, I gotta pick out what I'm gonna wear. I'm gonna spend some time on getting ready before I leave the house, just on the outside. But how much time do you actually get your heart ready and say, Lord, prepare my heart for what today uh, holds? I, I love the Lord's Prayer. It says, give me today what the daily, my daily bread. Uh, it talks about forgiving uh, those and, and asking for forgiveness. Do you prepare the inside of your soul? Do you prepare the inside as much as you prepare the outside? If you wanna be a great builder, great builders know that the outside's nice, but the inside's just as important. Are you, are you taking care of the inside? Let's go to the next question. This is gonna be kind of a ruthless one. Are you even building? Are you even building? I think that's a good question to ask. I love what it says in Haggai. The Lord comes to him and says, you guys keep on making excuses on why you're not building my house. God says, I've called you to build the house of God. I've called you to build it, but you keep on telling me there's excuses because you gotta build your own house. How many of you right now are like, I know God's called me to really pray when I wake up. I know God's called me to read my word. I know God's called me to actually be a faithful servant, but I just got too many other things on my list right now. Oh, learn from the word. Our life is but a breath. Oh, start building the life God called you to build. Next one is this. What are you building? Ooh, what are you building? I love, I love what it says in Hebrews 11. It says that by faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Stop. This shows me right here that the way that you build your life can actually affect your family. So what are you building? Are you building a life that affects your family in a way that leads to salvation, that leads to grace, that leads to joy, that leads to peace? I gotta ask myself those questions all the time. What am I building in our house? And not only that, how am I even building the people around me? How am I building up my wife? How am I building up the people that I love? Oof, what are you building? Are you building a career right now? Are you building up just hobbies? Are you just building up a busy schedule so you don't have to think about what's really going on? What are you building? Next question is, how many things are you trying to build in this season? Oof, it's very similar, but, and this is a quote I like to use a decent amount. If God can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Man, look at your life. Look at the things. I love, um, I heard, um, I think it's a, a Warren Buffett. Take the top 20 things that you think you're good at, take 17 of them, wipe them off the list, and just focus on the top three. I think a lot of people, you're trying to build so many things. Let me put it this way. How many of you, uh, are going, okay, I'm gonna build this, I'm gonna build that tomorrow, I'm gonna build this on Thursday, okay, then we got this to build on, on Friday. You can't build anything special when you're trying to build 20 things. Man, the ones that actually know how to build, they get rid of all the distractions and focus on the important things. Man, I wanna build the right things. I wanna build what God called me to build. And last but not least, oof, I got two more. How are you teaching your kids to build? 
How are you teaching your kids to build? Man, I, I think of Noah and I think of his kids as he's building this boat for over 100 years, 450 feet long. I've got to think that as he's building the, 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 the ark, the kids are watching his faithfulness. They're watching their, their dad be dedicated to something that God called him to do and to actually not only be dedicated to it, but he was faithful to the details. It says he did everything God required. What, what is Matthew 7? What is Luke 6? It's saying that God's saying, oh, you, you want to be a master builder? Paul called himself a master builder in the New Testament. That's a pretty bold statement, but Paul would sometimes say things that I would say are prideful, but he just knew. You know how I'm a master builder? I do everything God tells me to do. I'm a master builder because I listen to the details. When the word tells me to do this, I do this. Master builders are into the details of scripture. They follow scripture. They follow what God told them to do. And so I think about this, and and just hear me out. I can't stand the pastors. I can't stand the preachers that will tell uh, uh, the parents, like, sports are bad. You, you know, you have your kid go to the soccer game, and you, they're never in the house of God. And, and so, like, they just blow up sports. Can I just say, sports are great. I think sports are a gift. But they shouldn't be more important than the house. Oh, I think sports are amazing. But please don't have your kid find their value in sports or their identity in sports. You're setting your kid up to build a life that when a storm comes, oof, they're going to be questioning everything about their value. And teach your kid how to build. Because how you're building is showing them how to build. Academics, same thing. Some people are like, oh, you're t- teaching your kids just to love academics. I think it's good to love academics. I don't think it's good to worship academics. As you start to build your life, you need to know something. Your kids are watching. Oh, teach your kids how to build. Watch, learn from Noah, one of the master builders. He taught his family how to build. And last but not least, I love this, is that once you build it, and this is, I, I think the church is set up for the pandemic. I think that this is the time when the church is going to shine in a way that we've never seen the church shine before because when storms come, guess what happens? It says that some houses are gonna stand when the storm comes and then some houses are gonna fall. Well, as this pandemic keeps bringing storm after storm, man, I would love for our church to say, guess what? I lost my job in this pandemic, but I'm still standing. Guess what? Our family, we got pushed through the ringer in this season, but I'm still standing. Guess what? We lost more money than I could tell you in this pandemic, but I'm still standing because I didn't build my life on my finances. I didn't build my life on my career. I didn't build my life on the things of my own ideals or anything like that. I built my life on the word of God, and we're still here after the pandemic. There's something to be said about people who build the way God called them to build. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. The pandemic stinks. I know people have lost their jobs. My mom, I love you, I'm gonna even share it. She got laid off and then I called the next day and got rehired again. It's an emotional thing, it bothers me. The, 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 the people I know, family members, are losing their jobs. People I love are being hit by this. But here's what I know, when this is over, we're still standing. Because we didn't build our life on our careers. We didn't build our life on our hobbies. We built our life on the word of God. Because really what the word of God is and really what it's saying is, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. The word is God, it's Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate ark. He is the one that says, come, be hidden in me, hidden in Christ. You'll see, we, we describe ourselves as Christians. Christians is mentioned a handful of times in the New Testament. You must have mentioned over 100 times in the New Testament, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in the ark, in the ark, in the ark. When we are in Christ, we cannot be toppled. When we are in Christ, we have no shame. When we are in Christ, we are victorious. When we are with Christ, we are conquerors. Man, at the end of this thing, I'd love for our church to say, I get it, storms came, but when they came, we built our house the right way. We built our life the right way. Does that sound good? Okay, I'm gonna go to the same point. I feel like I yelled at you. Forgive me, let's keep going. Okay, here we go. Second thing that we're called to build, 
We're builders. I really believe this. I think the enemy is trying to stop the church from building, but you even think the verbiage of the church that I will build my church on this rock, and he calls Peter to be a builder of people. Jesus is the cornerstone, and all the other people are the other cornerstones. He's the living cornerstone, and we're supposed to be built into a house. It's an amazing thing. And so I thought, okay, I want three simple points today. We're going to build our life, we're going to build people, and we're going to build altars. That's how I'm going to finish with. Okay, so here we go. So build people. Ephesians 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. I don't know about you, but I don't have an excess of builders in my life. I've got some great builders. I got people who build me up all the time. But you know, I never tell Rachel, you know what? I've just got too many people building me up all the time. I just, phone call after phone call, just building me up. The church should have an excess of builders. The church should have an excess of people who are saying, man, I'm building that person up. I'm gonna speak life into that person today. Because here's the reality. Once you start building your own life, you're not supposed to stop there. You're supposed to start building other people's lives. The church doesn't stop with you just building your own life. Let me share a story with you. It's Mark 2. It's a famous one. It's the one where the friends, uh, I could preach this message 10 times a year. It's where the friends get their paralyzed buddy on a mat, bring him to the Lord, cut the hole in the roof, drop it down. There's so many uh, ways to preach. It's an amazing one. But there's a couple things I thought about today. These guys are a lot like Noah. They're, they're building for somebody else. It says that Noah built for his family. It says Noah built in obedience. And so they, build a, they, they, they cut a hole in the roof and they, they build this moment, if I could put it that way, for their friend uh, to encounter Jesus. Can I just say something real quick? That these four people, they probably had needs too. They probably still had stuff that they needed. But here's what they knew they had. They had Jesus already. So what else do they really need? If you keep on coming to church just for your needs and you always have a need every single week, man, oh, you're missing it. If you're just always circling the wagon, oh, I'm just, I, I, people don't say hi to me enough. This is my favorite thing about church. When I hear somebody say this, not when they say, oh, I wish the people just say hi more. But when people say this, man, this is my church. I'm gonna say hi to people today. I, I love it when people say, this is my church. I'm gonna encourage people today. When people stop complaining about not being encouraged, but they say, I'm the one actually called to build other people. When you're called to build other people, you get less offended. When you're called to build other people, you actually become more fulfilled because those who serve will be refreshed. Look at this story. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered such a large numbers and there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Oof. So uh, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried uh, by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat whew, with the man lying on it. I just want to, I can't wait to like, I, I hope there's like a DVD in heaven where I can watch this, okay? When Jesus saw their faith, the friend's faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he saw, uh, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Your faith can help other people. Your faith can affect other people's well-being. It says when Jesus said, saw their faith, not he said that I saw the paralyzed man faith, their faith. Here's what's gonna happen in Mission Church. You got low faith, we got more than enough faith for you. If you come in, you got low, uh, low energy, low hunger for God, well, we're gonna have extra hunger for you. We're gonna have extra faith. We're gonna have extra belief. Our church is always gonna be overflowing with faith because I believe that when God looks at Mission Church, when he looks at our church, he'll say, whew, when I look at their faith, when I look at Mission Church's faith, and because of their faith, the East Bay region is gonna experience healing. Oh, when I see their faith, I see a revival because their faith is cutting holes in roofs that, that couldn't be cut before. Man, I wanna have a church like that. Man, I wanna pastor a church like that. I believe we have a church like that. Mission Church, you're a special church. I see people bringing friends all the time, praying for their friends, celebrating that their friends are coming to know the Lord. 
what gets really exciting is when you start to build your own life, you wanna help other people build. You go, you know what, I, I, when I was building my life, here's what happened, I remember building my own life and, and, I, and I tried to rush the process. And so you know, I had the foundation laid and, and so I started putting up the walls and I started putting up a little roof here. But then I just started rushing. I started getting angry at God, so I started building, I started building in my own strength. And when I started building in my own strength, it wore me out. And so what happens when we start to build our own life, we come along other people and say, hey, I was there and you're, built, you're trying to build your own strength. Can I, can I help you build? Here's what you need to do right now. Be still and know he's God. Can, can I help you build real quick? You just need to pray. Can, can, I, can I help you build right now? You, you, you were building, but now the enemy uh, threw a fence in your lap and now you're all angry and you can't forgive. Can I help you build real quick? Before you even start building again, you need to go dig deep. You need to go get in your word. You need to forgive some people and then come back and, and grab the hammer and build with the right spirit because you're not building with the right spirit anymore. Oh, if we could become a church that builds our own life and builds people, what could happen in the East Bay region? What could happen if the church went from attenders to builders, from people who were critics woof, to builders? Man, we're gonna be a building church. And then last but not least, we're called to build altars. We're called to build altars. Genesis 8, uh, 8 says this, that Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some uh, of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of the humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Stop. That could be a sermon also. <laughs> But what I love in this verse right here, I want to hear it real quick. Noah built an altar and he sacrificed on it and it says it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. That a sacrifice on the altar was a pleasing aroma to God. Now what's an altar? It's basically, if I could just make it the most simple form, it's a structure built for worship. It's a structure built for encountering. It's a structure built for prayer. It's a structure built for remembering. It's a structure that is built to point to God and oh, it's dedicated to God. Now, what is the ultimate altar? It's the cross. What's the ultimate sacrifice? Jesus. And what I love about Jesus is he makes us just like Noah in a sense. But Jesus is the better Noah and he wants to make us just like him. And here's what he says to us in his word. Matthew 16 says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Stop, you know what an altar is today? Can I just tell you the structure of your altar is today? Very simple. You know what you need to build your altar? It's your schedule. The way you build your schedule will be everything. J Jesus came to earth and said, Lord, not my will, but your will. When we wake up, one of the greatest altars we can build to the Lord is this. Lord, my schedule is this, but not my schedule, but your schedule. Not my preference, but your will be done. There's something to be said about that. I love this verse in Hebrews 13, 15. We're gonna finish with this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. There's something to be said about a believer who says, I'm gonna build my allegiance to my God. My, my, my allegiance, my commitment is to his schedule, his ways, his, his purpose. That's why I'm alive. I will be honest, I've hated the pandemic. I miss people like crazy. It has been annoying to me. Um, everybody has an opinion and everybody's fighting over it. Um, it's just left and right. Like you go to Twitter and you'll see different opinions and I'll read one opinion and then the next opinion and it's just been driving me crazy. And all I wanna do is have church again, but I know that we can't have church right now and you know, 50% of you, if we had church right now, you'd say we're faith-filled and we're awesome. Statistics say the other 50% would say you're trying to kill the whole East Bay region. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic time to be a pastor, let me tell you. But here's what I want, want to happen in our, in our church. I don't wanna share opinions right now. 
I don't want to tell people, here's how you're supposed to do this and do that. Here's what I do want to do. I want to build my life. A lot of us, we have been exposed in this shelter for a lack of building. A lot of us have been exposed that the, can I be honest, where you crumble the most in life is where you need to build more in life. Say somebody offends you and you just crumble and you get frustrated. Oh, what a kind thing God's showing you. Hey, you need to build more on this side of your ark. Oh, you need to build more on this side of your life. Something to be said about the little hole that's cut in the boat of the ark. Something to be said about the altar at the end, and I wish I could touch all of it, but there's something to be said about Christians who are gonna praise God today because he's good, and tomorrow because he's good. And they're going to say, God, my life, my whole being is a sacrificial offering to you, and my praise will be sweet to you. Oh, my life is yours. Man, I, I hope this inspired you to start building a little bit more. I hope this inspired you to start building people more. I hope this inspired you to maybe look at your life and say, man, is my schedule my life or the, actually the life he has for me? Can I pray for you, Mission Church? God, I thank you so much for what's happened at Mission Church. And God, I do, I believe there's people right now that are uh, listening to this message that I'm gonna ask that they wanna say yes to you for the first time. Well, God, I pray that you prepare hearts right now. I pray that you prepare minds right now. I pray that eyes would be opened to the greatness of God, that eyes would be opened to the goodness of God. God, that, that people right now, that uh, when you come in your second coming, Lord, that judgment is coming. Oh, Lord, may they get on the ark, the ultimate ark. May they, may they come into the ark, and that's you, Jesus. May they say yes to you. May they say yes to salvation. So if you're brand new at Mission Church, I wanna ask you a question. If you just, you felt a tug in your heart, you're saying, man, I've built all the wrong things. I've built career, I've built this, I'm, I haven't built a lot, and I just feel so dissatisfied. I feel so broken, and something happened today. My eyes were opened. I want Jesus. If that's you, there's four ways we actually give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, because we want to make sure that you have, I love an axe. It says, don't make it complicated. So we're going to make it really simple. You ready? Just type yes in the YouTube. Just boom, yes. If that doesn't work, uh, tell your friends who you're with or call somebody and say, I said yes to Jesus, will you pray with me? If, if you don't like that, go on the website and literally uh, just click on the I said yes. If none of those work, oh, call somebody, text somebody. If there's somebody with you, oh, tell them. I mean, the, the Bible says that we celebrate when somebody gets on the ark. When somebody says yes to Jesus and are saved from the ultimate flood, oh, which is sin and death. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we love you. I can't wait to see you next week, Mission Church. Take care. Be blessed. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.